Sit back, relax. It's a musical chat. We can all get along if we just sing this song. This verse is that. Hello and welcome in to the very first episode of This Verse is That, where we talk about music, what it was like, what happened, what it's like now. This is your host, Michael Leopold. And that is Bill Forness. Hey, I'll tell you what, man, what an exciting couple of weeks. We, uh, we dove right in with a week's worth of bands. Then we went with a week's worth of albums all in the 90s. Great decade. Let's kick it off, man. You do the first one. All right. Thanks, Bill. Yeah, you know, um, what it was like, you know, at the beginning of the 90s, you know, we get entered into that whole grunge scene. And uh, I got to say, when you dropped the first two bands out of the out of the uh, two weeks ago and dropped Soundgarden Nirvana, I thought, it's on. And then it was a blowout. Right. <laughs> What'd you think of that? What'd Nirvana, you think of that? Nirvana takes the backseat to Soundgarden. How is that even really possible except for Soundgarden's career is longer, more more albums, more things Chris Cornell does. I, I, you know, I don't, what's your take on it? My take is, without a doubt, Chris Cornell for me is um, one of the great rock and roll voices, Agreed. certainly in America, in the in U.S. rock and roll, but probably transcending, you know, the entire gamut or gambit. But uh, Nirvana... Especially, you know, Nevermind comes out the gate in 1990, and it's a masterpiece. There's no waiting. They go right to the head of the class as far as musicianship, lyrics, um, writing, performance, and and nailing that whole grunge, kind of defining it and opening the door. Kind of knocked heavy metal out of the decade. Right, yeah, basically shut the door. At 89, for all the hair bands, yeah. you know, who were still, you know, trying to hang on to that uh, fast and hard life. But uh, who do you got? I, you know, I got to say for me, it probably, I give Soundgarden in the end the nod because of the voice and of the longevity and how they just got better and better. Um, not taking anything away from Nirvana because, you know, in utero, might have been better, probably was better than Nevermind. Right. And, and right. Uh, you know, it's a shame we didn't get to get more out of Kurt and, and the gang, um, for sure. But I think for me, in the end, I, I agree with the group, but I don't think it's the blowout that, right. you know. Well, what, what, what did some of these folks say? I mean, uh, there was quite a few that said Ty. Uh, lots of folks said, let's see, Maria Stanley said Soundgarden, but tough choice. Uh, but hard to beat Cornell's voice like you're talking about. Um, and uh, let's see, who was it? Um, someone said it was uh, it was Laura Brenner said Soundgarden, no contest. No Laura, contest. Laura, I need you to come on here and please elaborate the no contest. Uh, because, yeah, I mean, you cannot deny what Nevermind did and Utero did, what Nirvana did live, what Nirvana added to the music scene in the 90s. You also, we don't know what happened. We, I mean, we don't know what could have happened. And, and that's why you got to go with what did, unfortunately. Right. And, and, you know, um, 
I, I definitely believe that uh, Nirvana would have continued cranking out great albums and, and, and found a new, right. you know, right. um, but and maybe even gone on to do some of the things that, that Cornell went to do, which was, you know, go, go with solo. the Rage guys and right. do Audio right. Slave. And or Solo. Temple of the Dog, all that stuff, you know, was just incredible. Um, but what about the Foo showed Fighters? His range. Would the Foo Fighters have happened? Well, there you go. That that's oh, the whole thing of accepting uh, what did happen, not what what, what could have been. Could have and, been. And, uh, I can't choose. I'm gonna go. I'm I'm going even, Stephen. All right. I'm going even. I can't do it because I just don't. The, the info's not there for me, really. Honestly, I because I, I, there's not enough material. Well, let's dog I hear I like that. Them both. Let's dog. I agreed. Let's dog hear that one for okay. a second. We may come back to it, but move on to the Chili Peppers. Versus Rage Against the Machine. Woo. Now, these two bands both speak to me. There is no doubt. And and I'm going to tell you what what it was like. What it was like was, was like? the Red Hot Chili Peppers were one of the first dates my wife and I ever went on. Oh. At Mississippi Nights. All right. And we went to see that. That was Mother's Milk. And uh, got the full Monty from those guys. They played the, the encores in socks. You know, Flea just doing his thing. Anthony Kiedis just one big muscle. You know, just leaving it all on the stage. We saw this redhead go into the mosh pit. She was about, probably about 5'10". She's a, a good-sized girl, tall, pretty. Went in, came back out with a bloody nose. <laughs> I mean, oh just God. stunned. And uh, I'll never forget that as long as I live. But that was within the first two months of dating my, my wife, and now we've been married 30 years. So, so I give the edge to the chili peppers. Yeah. Okay, so you got, you got <laughs> something personal there for yeah. sure. I, and, and so I saw Red Hot Chili Peppers live. I actually met them in 1986 at Track Records no uh, way. over in Belleville, Illinois. And they were wearing all these funny hats, and uh, and I, I I was into metal as a kid, and I, and I, I, I kicked myself. I wish I would have got some autographs, and I did not. Um, look, it came out pretty even. Uh, it's pretty 50-50. Maybe a couple extra for Rage. Um, let's see. Lowe said something about uh, Anthony's autobiography. Uh, is a great read. I haven't read that, so that's cool. Flea? Flea's book? Uh, I haven't read that either. So thanks, Lowe. Thanks for the heads up there. Um, I haven't seen Rage Against the Machine live though, no, I but haven't. I have been told that it's an it's an energy Without to reckon with. I um, mean, Zach has got that that full on anger going, and, and and the lyrics and the you know they're the modern day almost protest song. It's almost right. like taking something out of the '60s and bring from from a from a lyric, but but a little more in your face, obviously, right. than the protest song. He's an actual freedom fighter. Seriously, right. yeah, I mean, and, he actually. And I love both of these bands bring the funk. You know what I mean? They they have that bass line that just makes you want to move, dance, um, you know, get off your ass for sure. That's the thing. I think that the bass and the drums in both of these bands are, are the driving force of both of these bands. Can't say anything. I'm not going to take anything away from the front men, but the bass and the drum. Gosh, man, it's another very... E you better pick... <laughs> you don't get you don't get away with it. I don't you did not agree. get away with it twice. Oh my! I, I guess, guess if I'm re man, if I'm reaching, because um, I'm oh not man. I'm not saying the Chili man. Peppers are are necessarily better than the Rage. Because there's a right. day that I'm turning Rage on over the Peppers. There's a day. 
but there's something nostalgically and and sentimentally that I, the Peppers were there in the 80s when I was coming up with music, and and then they kind of hit their stride in the 90s where. Ray just comes on the scene with right. with that that energy bullet in the head. Right, um, I, and I love that. I, I, here's the thing. Here's what I'm gonna say. And, and I love rage for the rage. Red Hot Chili Peppers a little bit more wide. You take a song like Under the Bridge. Yeah. So Rick Rubin, man. I'm I'm gonna go. I'm gonna go with the Chili Peppers. Buy by a buy a just buy a hair. But I haven't seen Rage live either though. So. I saw them at Lollapalooza here in St. Louis, um, but they played at two in the afternoon. So they were like one of the first or second bands out of the shoot. Yeah. And so the crowd wasn't gathered yet. They weren't, but my buddy and I were right up front and just feeling it. And so I, I right. totally dig dig what All they right. got going on for sure. All right, great. So next up we had, we went to albums. Right, the next week we moved uh, on um, to albums. That's, that's right. We moved on and so uh, I think that we decided that the most action that came in was Dre's The Chronic or The Beastie Boys' Check Your Head. Oh, man. You know, uh, <laughs> I guess, um, you know, I, I see I, I'm, I'm going to go with Beastie Boys. Yeah. I'm going with Beastie Boys. And and. And here's the thing, and I know we're talking about albums, but I absolutely know what they did, right? Right. Uh, but I liked the first album. I know it, it, it was a little more of a party album, but I liked it. Um, but Check Your Head comes in, and you finally kind of see Beastie Boys come of age. Yeah, I for think. sure. That was them kind of reclaiming who they were. Yeah. And kind of sticking the flag in and going, you know, here's yeah. here's where we're headed. Here's our brand. Yeah, nothing against Dre, and uh, and I think that that uh, there were some really good points, and I think that you talked about some folks that that had some good points about what he opened the door to. And uh, well, yeah, he brought he brought you know rap, you know that that brand of rap net to the suburbs. For sure. I mean, I remember I was bartending at uh, McGurk's during this time period, and I was probably one of the older cats working there. And all the young college kids that were the waiters and, and waitresses and the barbacks, they were all listening to this and, and, and totally into Snoop. Right. And to Dre, we wouldn't even have Snoop if Dre doesn't bring him in. Wouldn't right even there. have Eminem, right? If Dre doesn't produce him. And I think my boy, sure. I think my boy Matt Reedy, right. uh, brings up the fact that if, if we don't have the Chronic, you don't have Snoop and Martha Stewart, you don't have Deets Nuts, and you don't have. There was one other thing he said we don't have, and I'm trying to remember what it was. A G Funk but, era of '90s hip hop. Yeah, but I mean, it's brilliant, and and I love making that connection from an album as to what it was like and what it's like today and how the impact it, it, right. it, and if you ever saw that um, documentary with uh, Jimmy Iovine and uh, and Dr. Dre and how they they started on two opposite coasts and end up together doing beats oh I think that was the other thing that Matt Reedy said right. we wouldn't have beats without the chronic so I mean it, it's just neat how all this stuff swirls together and, and from a pop culture standpoint, from a, a soundtrack of our lives to, to me remembering right. working at McGurk's and that period of my life when my daughter was born 
and and all my you know three of my kids while well, I worked right. at McGurk's in five years are born <laughs> and listening to this whole '90s thing. You know. Okay, so so, so all that aside, without knowing the future, just album versus album. What do you got? I'm gonna go with the Chronic. Okay. I'm going with the Chronic, and I'm not you know. Now I'm gonna go and, and I'll, I'll go re-listen. I'll see. Yeah. I'll see where I'll see where we're. You know that's been great. Great. <laughs> Um, for me this week and last week was to listen to some of these bands again, go back to these right. earlier albums again and spend some time with them that I hadn't, you know. And that brings me to the to the next one I want to talk about, which is Radiohead and Counting Crows. <laughs> I mean, you know, Mr. Jones made me want to, you know, slit my wrists and, and run outside because it was on the radio too much. It was not the best song on that album, even close. You know, round here, pretty good lyrically, really solid. Um, but I never gave that album a chance back then because Mr. Jones was like scratching a chalkboard. And Radiohead for me, Creep was coming of age. You know, they they weren't formed yet with that album, Pablo Honey. But there was something there, and you could hear it. Now there was a chance that they were going to get lost in the grunge. They were kind of thrown in there with Stone Temple Pilots. Creep was out at the same time. Um, you know, um, Pearl Jam is massive. You know, Tens dropped. So they're kind of being slugged in to that genre. And they kind of are getting lost. And that's really not who they are. Yeah, and I think they got lost in it. Yeah. I don't, and, and I think we saw that going forward. But even just these two as they stand alone. Which one you... Well, yeah, I mean, and, and it's hard for me not to have the bias of becoming a Radiohead fan as they found their genius and, and, and getting to the bends and getting that. But, it, but now, having gone back and listened to both albums song for song, and I can take out, let's take out the two hits. Let's take out Creep and let's right. take out Mr. Jones. Suddenly, August and everything after is looking really, really good and sounding really good. I think it was a brilliant album. I got the opportunity to see them at the American Theater, uh, them first out on the road. Uh, Adam DeRitz got to meet him outside of the American Theater, and he was pretty distraught. His father was uh, was not in good health, and, and he wasn't able to go be with him in California, but he had to, and they had to stay on the road, and that's, you know, a part of the the biz, you know. You got a tour, you got to sell this record. Um, but I agree with you, Mr. Jones, and I thought it was kind of a ripoff in the melody of uh, Brown Eyed Girl. Hmm. And I thought, man, wow, what a, you know, they're really trying well, to sell this Well, it didn't sound thing. like the rest of the album. It did. It, it didn't fit not the vibe. Nearly at all. It was almost like, hey, we need a hit so that people will buy this album. We need something. And maybe that worked because I have a lot of friends who were all talking about the deep cuts on that album, not about Mr. Jones at all. Everybody's mentioning Blue Buildings and everybody's mentioning um, Anna Begins. Right. And and, and those are are really good. good. Yeah, it is. And I know I know that there are. Some of my friends out there, my Radiohead friends, are going to be, Michael, what are you doing? And look, we're not saying Counting Crows is a better band, right? <laughs> right? We're saying this album this right. against that album yeah. at that moment, yeah. you know, and maybe even today. The cool thing for me is the Counting Crows album, while I didn't give it a chance then, I've given it a chance now. 
is is now up there in my playlist and 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 enjoying it. it was so really good live. Yeah. They played that entire album live, and I'll tell you, though, musicianship wise, fantastic. His vocals live, fantastic. I haven't seen Radiohead live, but this album. I went through and I listened to it, and, and though you can see some glimpses there of what was coming in the future, um, some of it just sort of fell short. It was a little noisy. You could definitely see the U2 influence. I, I heard the the U2 influence, which I thought was was interesting because I thought that they were being shoved into this uh, 90s sort of let's hurry up and capture the money off the grudge scene. I, I, the grunge scene, right. I would imagine. the record company more, I, I think more it than was. them. I yeah. guarantee it was. Yeah. I, I, would, I would almost imagine it was because they weren't from here, no, right? Right, no, they're from the U.K. Okay, yeah. so, yeah, probably. And they're influenced by Joy Division, as Joy you know, Division, for sure, <laughs> and the Pixies. Uh, you, can, you can definitely hear, hear some experimental stuff stuff there that uh that feels a lot like that and it, it, it looked like a lot of the folks picked counting crows yeah uh, i guess probably just for the rate just for this album yeah I, I wouldn't think it's for the band in a whole no and i think and we'll, we'll definitely bring radiohead back you know again to talk about their larger body of work this was you know we want to make sure that everybody recognized this is about this album against that album yeah and and again there are no right or wrong answers here yeah, the, this is all you know that's why music is so subjective. It it, it, it inspires us. It, it it visits us in a in a time of our life that that impacts us, and yeah. we fall in love, Even you know, Jim, Jim or Stopler or said, out of love. <laughs> Jim Stopler said, "Crows, Omaha, somewhere in Middle America." See that it's that yeah. that song, great great song. That stuff uh, just didn't hit the radio. Is that they, Jim Stepler? You said Stepler. Yeah, yeah. is that he, that's how, okay. boy, He's in the UK. He's in London, and, and yeah. he loves crows, yeah, he loves Omaha. Crows. Yeah. So, all right, that's great. Okay, do you want me to get the next yeah, one? Yeah, go ahead. Uh, let's see. Duker, Are, Dookie. Oh my gosh! So this is the wrap up, right? Well, this is this is the last one we're going to talk about. Okay, for sure. Um, let's see here. Let me just go ahead and say, folks, make sure that you, you comment, put some comments in here as we keep going with this. We really hope that you like it. Give us some thumbs up, share this stuff. Uh, but yeah, put some comments. Let us know why. Yeah. And, and, and well, some things yeah. you'd like to hear us talk about. Yeah. You know, yeah. And get involved in the conversation. Yeah. Let's see. I'll, I'll announce and then you go, okay? You ready? We got me on the spot. We got 1994, right the on. year of our Lord. You got Green Day's Dookie. I almost gave you a spit take there. Or Weezer, affectionately known as the Blue Album, but both is their freshman effort. Yeah, their self-titled album. Yeah. Wow. Um, this one is funny because if you'd asked me in 94... No contest. I'm saying Dookie all the way. I mean, I just dug that whole punk rock revival that, that Green Day kind of brought to the forefront um, for sure. I thought Weezer, you know, what they come out with, uh, Sweater and Buddy Holly were maybe the first two songs to drop from there. And I almost felt like they were like a little bit of a novelty. I did enjoy the tongue-in-cheek kind of humor that they had, that you could tell they didn't take themselves seriously. And it reminded me, and, and later on they really reminded me, of um, a band that I knew in the 80s and loved and totally a novelty was the Dead Milkmen. You know, yeah. um, You'll Dance to Anything, Punk Rock Girl, um, you know, stuff like that, where it's fun, it's good, but 
it's not going to win any win any awards for for writing. They're just having a good time, right? And that's part of the fun. But in this case, I li- listened to Weezer today, and I'm a big Weezer fan now. I give Weezer the edge. Wow. Well, I, I give Weezer the edge, album for album. But I gotta I gotta say, I I still love Green Day. So I you know, and I love that album. I love that album. Um, Longview, first song that comes out of the gate on that one. Couldn't get enough of that song. Yeah. You know, and you said something that, that kind of struck me, because I saw Green Day as this. Brian Setzer and the Stray Cats in the 80s come out, and they're this complete throwback to rockabilly in the 50s right, right. during a time in the 80s where it's like uh, pop, I mean, explosion, uh, sort of this uh, electronica thing is beginning to happen. Yeah. The 80s have a have a very particular sound. And then here's the Stray Cats coming out on MTV, and it was like, what? Yeah. What is that? Green Day felt very similar to that in the midst of grunge and everything that way. Yeah, yeah. An yeah. alternative. And then all of a sudden you got this throwback to the Ramones. Right. That's a yeah no that's a great description and how and probably how they were able to set themselves kind of apart and, and grab some of the marketplace a pretty good which led to an unbelievable career you unbelievable. know um, you know and you know it's always cool much like a hitter in, in baseball there's some guys that you can just see the silhouette of their swing or their stance and you know exactly who it is. You see the silhouette of Billy Joe Billy with that Joe. guitar slung low and his feet wide apart. I, if I just see that silhouette, I, it, it's iconic, you know. And uh, I love the energy that, yeah. that comes out of those guys. But I love the intelligence and the fun that Weezer is having. It is. You know. I think they sometimes um, uh, call it nerd rock yeah. or something like that. And I, and I get that because I, I do think. And But, man, the guitars are tasty for Weezer. Oh, yeah. I mean, they're really clever. Uh, and his songwriting structure is really clever as well, and and they're, you know I like I like it lyrically. I gotta say though that I I do think that Green Day, just as a cohesiveness of the record, just edges it out a little bit for me. Okay, uh, I, I know I, I like that. And I think I think some folks. So Gina Hart said back then. Green Green Day. Mm-hmm. Not sure what I would choose today. today. That's kind of so, how I am. Exactly. So that it's interesting. I'd have to listen to both. I'd really have to give both its due. It's really hard to say today. I mean, then too as well. I mean, Green Day for sure. When it came on, it was like, wow, man, that's really good. And Weezer, I wasn't even quite so sure about in the beginning. I had to. Mm-hmm. I, that is much more of a thought process type of group. And you know what? That's how it's funny. I don't know if this is like anybody out there listening or or with you, but the music that I kind of kind of like or or have to work harder to like, I tend to like for a lot longer. You know, it, they become um, almost a part of my soul or a part of me. Where music that you like really fast and easy, they're great, but they're here and gone. You know what I mean? Right. right. The, the concept of a hook, and right. that's exactly what it does. The other, the other thing is, is a little bit more intelligent in its songwriting and clever uh, maneuvering uh, within chordal structures and stuff like that. I'm, I'm, I'm in total agreement. Yeah. Danny Valentine said, Dookie, because once I gave it a real listen... The backing vocal sounded exactly like my brother's in St. Louis' very own The Nukes. I guess Billy Joe learned 
from the best. Can't fault him for that. No, I don't know if that's really true or not. Hey, I mean, we know Danny. Danny's definitely had a, a history of in the music business. I mean, he worked for Streetside Records at the executive level here in St. Louis for a number of years and met a lot of these guys coming through. So I, I give I give Danny some total street cred on his say I don't always agree with him but I, I he, he's coming from a place that's real you know it, yeah. it isn't just pulled out of his ass that's for yeah. sure I, I, well so, so I'm, I'm going green day just by just by a hair I I, I, I mean I, I gotta give Weezer and and then ah, but we're not talking about the band yeah if we're talking about the longevity Hey, man. I mean, Green Day's already in the freaking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. I mean, you you know, it's hard to touch. And they've definitely been able to. Weezer's probably been putting out more music on a regular basis, you know, in the last few years than than Green Day. But But I'll say their music, too, is sort of in a a vacuum where Green Day, like, expanded. when They did some acoustic numbers and big ballads. Yeah, well, they did the rock, rock opera. They did the, they did the uh, oh, rock yeah. opera yeah, on yeah, Broadway, you know, with American Idiot. That was a really cool album because that thing told a story. I mean, that thing, you know, was very thoughtful in how it layered the songs and laid them out, and, and they were telling a story, and then it turned into something bigger than I think they could have ever imagined. You know, Green Day was my nephew's favorite band, so... Right on. There you go. So, in, in just a <laughs> recap, I would do want to circle back to Nirvana again, really quick. I, if I remember, you remember Spin Magazine when when that sure. was out? That was, I, I always loved that magazine. I, I thought that they kind of took it to Rolling Stone there for a period of time. It, they weren't out for very long, but I remember them doing a piece on after the end of the decade of the '90s. They kind of did a piece on the best albums of the '90s, and they they went through everything. And I mean, there's some bands. When I read through that, I'm like, oh, man, we should have had them in the list. We should have had, and we're, we're going to get to them. If, if we last out here in, the, in podcast land, we're going to get to them. But Nirvana, never mind, was the number one they d- determined was the number one album of the wow. decade. Is that right? So, you know, Soundgarden on notice. <laughs> All right, we'll come back to it again. Man, I had a lot of fun today. This is great. I'm, uh, I look forward to the second one. Absolutely, Bill. Thanks uh, for for giving your opinions and uh, and helping start this versus that. Guys, let us know. Look forward to hearing more from you guys. And get out there and support your local music if you can uh, safely and and have some fun. Um, Concerts are starting to come back a little bit and uh, there's nothing like live music. That's right. I have a show September 25th at the Lincoln Theater. Selfless plug. I love it. That, hey, that, that's why I said we should do this to, to increase your fan base, baby. Thanks, man. Yeah. If Appreciate you guys it. don't know, uh, he does a, a Johnny Cast tribute show and it is fan fucking tastic. So do yourself a favor and get out to the Lincoln Theater on the 25th, I think. 25th, yeah. Of September. JCastTribute.com. Go get yourself some Beast Barbecue over there in Illinois and then and then jump on... Uh, Beast Barbecue rocks. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. Yeah, it does. All right, man. We'll, All right. we'll see you next time you on next This time. Versus That. This Versus That. This Versus That. This Versus That. Sit back, relax. It's a musical chat. We can all get along if we just sing this song, this verse is that.